0: And welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Banner Monday where we begin each week the best way that we know how and that is by talking IU and Big 10 basketball and to do that I am pleased to welcome in for his weekly segment from the Big 10 Network, The Sporting News and Fox, one of the hardest working men in college hoops, the venerable Mike DeCourcy. Mike, what do you say to kind of kick things off? Maybe we talk about the Steelers big win from yesterday? Maybe that'll uh. actually maybe that'll actually get Archie to listen to the show.
1: <laughs> oh, we, we can always talk Steelers if you want to do that. I uh, was really excited by what happened, uh, but I did not to wear any Steelers gear on the on the pod, so uh, I thought you'd be proud.
0: Well, there's a lot of Colts fans listening, so we probably don't want to talk about the NFL. Maybe, maybe we'll just skip right past that this week. Um, no, let's talk about the Hoosiers. Uh, this is how we always start this segment. And, you know, look, obviously, the Indiana didn't play the greatest competition, but they do have two games in the books.
1: What did you learn
0: from Indiana and in their two victories over sub two seventy teams this week?
1: Well, I don't know if "learn" is the appropriate uh, verbiage uh, because I think there will need subsequent conf- confirmation. But what I've learned, what I've learned so far, I guess this this I have learned for sure that that Justin Smith is in, is engaged. Okay, he's play, He he is playing like he like he cares. Now, whether he's invested or not, that'll come as the games stack up and challenges come up and, and, and it becomes more difficult than the bottom of Division I and all that sort of stuff. But he's engaged. And I've I, I said on our first show and I've said all offseason that the most important thing for Indiana is getting Devonte to play smart and Justin to play hard. And if you get those two things going in the right direction, you have a lot to go on. And obviously you got to stay healthy. I mean, after what happened last year, you have to have that. That's a given. But in terms of variables you can control, if you get those two things going, then Indiana has a chance. And so far we've seen the, you know, probably the bigger variable of the two, Justin playing with passion, with, with, with with engagement, uh, trying, you know, playing to matter. And so that's, you know, that's what I've learned. The rest of it is still to be sorted out as the competition level increases, as the stakes increase as a result of that, uh, as challenges are presented to young players that they haven't seen yet. Trace Jackson Davis hasn't seen a real college defense yet. Uh, So that's, that's all going to change how the season develops. But... The things that mattered from the first couple of games, I think that they've gone really well. You know, you can criticize the level of opposition, but look, there's 350 teams in Division I. Uh, you have to play somebody. And if you're paying money to, to, to bring the team to you, um, relative to the competition, there isn't that much difference between 150 and 250. Uh, people try to, in in their computer formulas, try to pretend there is. If you're playing them at home, as long as you're paying attention and not sleeping, you're going to beat. And you're you're any good at all. You're you're going to beat 150 as easily as you beat 250. Maybe not by as many points, but you're going to win the game. So that 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 early criticism always bothers me. Uh, It it doesn't. And and honestly, when I consider uh, going, you know, I I think I'm going to have to change my hats a little bit. But I've evaluated teams in the past relative to their value. For March or value to the bracket, I've never said. Well, look, they have six two, sub two fifties or whatever. Oh, who cares? It doesn't. It doesn't reflect on who you are. I mean, it. it, it again, a hundred and fifty at home versus two hundred fifty at home. It's just a matter of point spread. It's not a matter of win or loss.
0: You know, one of the other things that I think Indiana fans are really looking forward to seeing. You know, in these early games against you know competition that might not challenge you too much, is give some of the young guys and some of the guys coming off injury a chance to get their feet wet and work in Armon Franklin, Trace Jackson Davis, who you mentioned, also Jerome Hunter and Race Thompson, who have spent so much of their time at Indiana injured. All those guys showed some positive signs as you would like to see. Did any of them jump out to you as being like, oh, okay, boy, that guy could really make a difference for them this year?
1: Well, you know, it's it's funny that you said that because uh, the first player that making a difference uh is a player that i've liked for a long time and he's not one of the new guys and that's uh al durham i mean mm-hmm. he, he's doing really well he's making a lot of shots he's you know he's not a bit player right now and that's you know and he's making he's going to make it hard to an extent for Devonte to get all his minutes back uh because of everything that al brings to the floor so that's a factor uh you know from there i mean I, i'm not surprised that trace jackson davis is a is a Capable player. I saw him in the summer at the Peach Jam, and you can play there. You know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. I mean, if you can play against those guys, uh, as long as you're coachable, you're gonna you're gonna be a, a quality college player. And he was really good down there when I saw him. And you know, obviously, there were things about his game that still needed to be worked out, but uh, he had a lot going for him there. So I'm not at all surprised by that. And the rest of the guys, you know, haven't really gotten enough. Uh, full-time minutes to, to really know, but no one's, you know, none, no one has embarrassed themselves. I mean, they've all contributed when they've been on the floor to some extent, and, and they've shown that it, it may be more difficult, you know, and, and this would be a wonderful blessing for Indiana to have, it may be more difficult to trim the rotation once the, the high-level games start arriving than it is to try to find guys to fill minutes like it was a year ago.
0: Yeah. You know, you mentioned Al Durham, and one of the questions that we got from listeners uh, for this segment was, you know, about Al Durham and and about his great start offensively. Where do you see him fitting in among the hierarchy of guards in the Big Ten? Like, is he a potential all Big Ten guy, do you think? Is he a notch below that? Where do you see him?
1: Well, I mean, he's never been a full time player, so it's hard to project to that level. Uh, But, you know, the first thing you think about when you see him and you think about the nature of this backcourt is, that you'd like at minimum for him to be able to go out there and give you 20 really good minutes a game. And if he can, if he can supersede that wonderful. But when, when this team was, was projected, I don't think there was anybody expecting Al Durham to be a 30 minute a game guy. Uh, There's some he- people in our YouTube chat that are raising their hand and saying we did. <laughs> nah, they're not. No. I mean, cause there, cause no one thought, yeah, everybody thought Devonte would be playing and, and that, obviously, Robert's going to be the point guard. And so, you know, they may, they may have thought that he should be a full-time player, but that's not the way last season ended, and it's not the way the offseason shaped up. I mean, everybody was talking up Devonte as the guy, and, and he had a really nice summer, and, and so that was what the, the, the talk was. But, look, if you make yourself indispensable, they're not going to take you out. I mean, if you keep making shots and you keep guarding your guy and you've got the size he has – um and And this team is as hungry for three point shooting as it is they're not going to take him out. They may find another way to to wedge Devonte in play three guards or whatever um they may do that and you know, so uh, you know that that's that's a that that's an alternative for them he's making it like i said one one at the open he's making it hard for for arch to imagine the team without it now again he 's got to do that. Uh, It's nice that he's done that through these two games, but he's got to continue doing it through the games that they, you know, the, the continuation of, of buy type games they'll play. And then when, you know, when the schedule ratchets up, he's got to do it against the best players.
0: Yeah. Agreed. I mean, he's he's been a guy who's had some ups and downs and has shown flashes, but then we'll have 12 points one game and then zero the next game. And now that he's an upperclassman, he's got that responsibility for production. He's really got to become consistent. So far, so good, but hopefully he can keep it going. Um, let's expand our focus, talk about the Big Ten. We'll start with power rankings. Uh, can't imagine that too much happened to shake things up, but what are, what are your top four right now?
1: Well, I you know, given the Michigan State loss, I'm not going to keep him on top, uh, although there's certainly... Lose in an embarrassing fashion, and uh, and they and they 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 played a great team. Uh, I, I, but I'm going to go with Ohio State on top because they beat a quality opponent, albeit at home in, in Cincinnati, and they're two and zero. So I'm going to go there, and then I'll go Maryland second because again, still undefeated, uh, and and also beat a quality opponent in Rhode Island. And then a third, I'll go with Michigan, only one one trip out, but played very well. And then I'll put Michigan State at four for now. Uh, you know I don't like to put a team with a loss out there, but again uh you're talking about one of the best teams in the country, a very narrow loss, uh nothing to be embarrassed about but you know I think it was a, it was an opportunity for them to see what they have missing uh with without Joshua Langford, what they're going to need to to get done. but I really liked uh the way some of their younger players played in that game. They didn't play consistently, they didn't play necessarily. Uh, Izzo Ball, but they showed flashes of a real ability, and one knows from history that if the ability is there, and the commitment is there, that there's a very good chance by the end of the year that Izzo will get the best out of those guys. So...
0: We got this question submitted by about four or five different people in some form or fashion. You probably know what it's going to be. How concerned should we be about the start for the Big Ten? Because last year at this time, you know, we came on here talking about, wow, the Big Ten's really scoring a lot of early season victories. This shapes up well for the conference power ranking, which can impact bubble teams and seating and all that stuff down the road. Like This stuff matters, and the conference has struggled a little bit to get going. How concerned are you about the start?
1: You know, as I, I was thinking about this as I was working out before the um, I was watching Maryland on tape and I was uh, and I was thinking about this as as we, and I think if I remember correctly, I didn't have an opportunity to look it up, but I think the first week didn't go super great then either. Michigan State lost to Kansas. I can't remember what, who else won or lost. um, But this week is huge. And obviously the ACC challenge week is huge, but this week with the Gavit games, started to turn things around last year a little bit. That's true. And so this would be a, an important week for the conference. You've got Michigan State playing Seton Hall. Now, the, you've, you, Seton Hall has now suffered a serious injury that may be even more damaging to their team uh, than Joshua Langford was to Michigan State because Michigan State can still roll out an All-American. And Miles Powell was Seton Hall's All-American. Uh, and will be perhaps again, but uh, he's not going to play this game almost certainly uh, against Michigan State, so that's a factor. And uh, then you've got, I believe, Villanova going to Ohio State. Uh, I think that's a really important it's a great game, game, high quality game at home for the conference for, for the Buckeyes. Uh, and Villanova has looked really good early. It's again, it's a week, but they've looked really good. And so, if you can get that one, it's probably going to pay off in the long run. So, I would say the first week. Uh, a little disappointing, uh, you know, obviously you, you had a chance to win the Michigan State game and you didn't, um, you know, Illinois got, got, went out and, and got spanked pretty good by Arizona. Uh, but I wouldn't be super concerned about that because I think Arizona's going to turn out to be special. Uh, those freshman guards are outstanding and Sean Miller's as good a coach as there is. So I think they have a chance to be special. Probably the one loss that you'd like to have back was Purdue losing at home to Texas uh not because Texas I I I think they're going to be very good uh, but you're at home and you've got to you know a chance to beat a quality opponent and we're very close and let it get away at the end uh so that would probably be the one but this week here is an enormous one for the conference you get you get these big challenges uh this one in the ACC and then you get the uh uh the third, the neutral site tournaments uh that's where You you get most of the biggest games played intra conference and uh, inter excuse me inter conference and I do think that uh, you know that's 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 a challenge and I I haven't seen anything from the Big Ten that says it's going to storm through all of that Uh, but I've seen some intriguing stuff I I watched Maryland as I said Uh, I I was very interested by how they played with smaller lineups a lot uh, playing some matchup zone uh, which I thought was effective at times. Uh, Michigan State, I, I was up in New York, and I thought they looked fine. Uh, made some mistakes and got into some foul trouble. Uh, needs, you know, Need some offense to counter what they lost with Langford, but I still think they're going to be terrific. So I, I think that the, the Big Ten, I'm not going to say I, I expect everything's going to work out, but I do think that it's too early to certainly uh, push any panic buttons. I, I, this week, if they, if they get handled by the Big East, uh, then maybe start to worry a little bit. As you've watched games,
0: watched tape getting cut up on games, have any individuals stood out to you, you know, positively or negatively in terms of how they've played early on, where you said like, wow, that guy's a little better than I thought, or, you know, that guy's struggling a little more than I thought?
1: Well, you know, I think the 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 first player I've mentioned, having because I'm coming off, having watched that uh that team, uh, was I, I really liked the way Eric Ayala played for Maryland. I thought he was terrific. Uh, he, he, they, they put him on the ball some to to give Anthony Cowan a break. And he was really effective in that regard. Uh, he can get the ball to the, to the rim. He did not shoot the basketball particularly well, but I've seen him do that in the past. I thought he was really good. Jalen Smith. you know, one one of the things I like about Jalen Smith is he comes back to college. He could have gone to the uh, NBA and they're basically playing him as a singular post player. And now they're moving him around a, a bunch so he can do other things, but when you're that that singular big guy, you can get yourself you know you can get beat up a bit. You know, other teams know you're the, that you're the target. You and you have to guard in the low post. Not you do not hear any complaints about that from that kid at all. I mean, he just does this. He just does his deal, and I I love that about him. It it, it I've I've heard so much complaining in the past about oh, I don't want to be you know I don't want to be a center so they call him a forward and then maybe the kid thinks it's fine, but you know, then, then you go out in the game and he's in the post for 40 minutes. And uh, I've seen unhappy players in that instance, and I've seen them bring down some good teams. So I I don't think you'll see that from Jalen Smith. And he's gets, he's got, they've got some bodies to rotate next to him and and he can get a break. Uh, uh, I don't know that any of the, their freshman bigs are standing out yet. Uh, But when I was watching, he was out there by himself a lot. And, just played through it and played hard and played with great energy. I really like that about him.
0: You mentioned Illinois and their loss to Arizona. And, you know, you said Arizona may end up being special, but this is kind of the second concerning performance for Illinois. You know, they struggled against Nickel State in the opener, obviously didn't do well against Arizona. And we know last year, you know, they struggled a ton early and ended up coming on some late, but there was some hype. There was some expectation about them coming into the year. Has anything changed for you through a couple games? You know, kind of where they're at right now?
1: Not yet. Uh, You know, remember about the illinois uh, Nickel State game. First of all, Nickel State then went on and beat Pitt. Um, uh, So that's a factor to start with. Uh, You know, uh, that was not a bad team that that happened with. Um, uh, So that's, that's the start. And then the second factor is that that was a game in which they were up by 16 points with about four or five minutes left. So it's not that they weren't playing well. Is that they didn't close, and this is a team that didn't win a lot last year. Uh, that's you know that's that's something that they still have to conquer. And honestly, I was critical of them a year ago that they overscheduled, and and they paid for it dearly. And so you know now you look at it and you're going on the road to Arizona, and you know does that mean that they're that they've done it to themselves again? Well, you know when I looked at their schedule in the past. I didn't think it was an overreach. I mean, Arizona was a tough road game, but now it lightens up. They've got, they've got Hawaii and they've got the Citadel and they've got Hampton and then they, you know, then they start back into high majors with the, the challenge game and they get Miami university, excuse me, university of Miami, the hurricanes at home uh, not been a good team so far this year. So uh, they can get a chance to get some rhythm back and maybe get a little bit of a, of of an understanding of of how to close out games like the nickel state game. Remember they let it get, they they let it get tied, but then when they got to overtime, they won by eight. So they knew who was the better team in the gym and they just took their uh, foot off the pedal too early. We've seen teams do that before, but it wasn't that they hadn't performed well.
0: Last question for you, Northwestern and Nebraska. (laughs) Rough starts for Northwestern and Nebraska. You know, and, and look, Nebraska's got a new coach. They've got all sorts of new pieces. You kind of expect that. Northwestern, they were good a couple of years ago, and you kind of felt like maybe Chris Collins has some momentum, but boy, they have, that program has really kind of fallen back. As you look at Northwestern Nebraska this year, Is there any reason to believe that those two teams are going to be appreciably better by January, February, March to where they're a lot more competitive with Big Ten teams? Or is this just going to be a year-long slog for those two programs at the bottom of the conference?
1: You know, Honestly, as I watched what happened with them in the first two games, my initial thought was they're exactly what the conference needs. They need the the conference as a whole uh, in terms of wanting to be great and get lots of bids you know, a year ago in January, the the bracket people, of which I will be one soon, were predicting 10 bids or projecting, or whatever you want to call it, uh, in January, 10 bids for the, for the Big Ten. And I went on, after the first barrage of those, I went on Big Ten Network and I said, Leak's not getting 10 bids. I've watched Penn State, I've watched Illinois, I've watched Rutgers, and they are not capitulating in the they are not going to capitulate in the manner necessary for the teams on top of this pile to get the wins they'll need to get to the tournament. And, you know, you ended up getting in what uh, uh, you got an eight and 12 in there, right? Ohio state got in an eight and 12, pretty interesting precedent set, but that's how, that's how strong the league was at the top. um, And that's why you, you know, you were lucky to get them in uh, at eight and 12. It wasn't easy to get in. So, if you have two really bad teams, as they project to be at the moment, that actually helps the teams on top. They, don't, they, aren't, they aren't valuable wins, but they aren't potential losses either. When the, big, when the Big East got 11 out of 16 in 2011, the four teams at the bottom of that Big, of, of that, uh, big East got, I believe, exactly two wins against teams outside their own company. Oh my. Other, you know, when they played, somebody had to win, but they didn't beat anybody that got to the tournament, I think, except Villanova dropped two, I think. Um, so that's kind of what you need to get that big bucket of bids, along with all the other non-conference performance. You, you also need that. So from that standpoint, if they're not better, it's not necessarily bad for the league. Taking one for the team.
0: Thanks, Northwestern.
1: <laughs> well, but that's, that's if they're not better. Yeah, um, it's a long right. It's a long way from the way they've played their first two games. Yeah, competitive in the Big Ten. I mean, a long way. I mean, Merrimack is, I think, a first year or a transitional Division One I member. I and mean, if you're losing to that team, um, you've got issues. And you know, obviously, Nebraska had problems as well. Uh, Nebraska's got, I believe, only one player back. From last year's roster, and so it was going to be a challenge. I mean, we hadn't seen them, and you could say, well, maybe maybe they'll be good because no one's really seen them. And then they went out and played, and look, okay, we were right; they weren't. Um, I I would imagine Fred will get them better, uh, but whether or not you can get from where they were on opening night to competitive in the Big Ten at even at home, that's that's a long trip. Same for the Wildcats and. Uh, You know, Nebraska will get good home crowds, maybe not what they've gotten when they were good or or competitive, but they'll get good home crowds. Uh, Their their fan base is really terrific. Northwestern's has been, you know, a little bit more, uh, they've been, they they, they have been more show me uh, kind of fan base. So when the team's good, they're all there. And when they're not, at times there are other fans in the building, uh, Michigan State's fans or Indiana's fans or whatever um so they may not have the home crowds so they've got to they've got to find a way to be better uh, as players and as a team i think you know i i don't think that the players that they have are poor we've seen them before um but i don't know they have enough and so maybe on a given night at home in the league if they continue to coalesce um they can be dangerous but they're 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 really thin and so The problem that might arise for them is any injury or any, you know, uh, any confidence problem that a player might have because the team's not doing well or because the particular player's not doing well. They need all the guys that can play to play great in order to be competitive in the league. And it's going to be really hard, especially if the league is as deep in good teams as I think it is. Um, It's going to be really hard for those two teams to, to be a factor in the Big Ten.
0: Mike, I have to go back to something that you said about five minutes ago. You know, two of my co-hosts, Andy Bottoms, Brian Tonsoni, two of the top 10 in, at Bracket Matrix, you referred to Bracket People. I would just like you to know that the preferred nomenclature is Bracketologist. Bracketologist.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I will say that, you know, I've known Joe Lenardi for like 30 years. I, I first met him, when I was working at the Pittsburgh Press, he did some stringing for us. He would He would cover a... Uh, a Duquesne road game if we weren't covering it or West Virginia or something like that if they're playing in Philly somewhere. So I've known Joan for a long time and he invented the word and (laughs) the trademark. It's the, I mean, Joe's great and he's the most wonderful guy. How do you, how do you let that one get through your legs? I mean, so uh, I, you know, I, I always feel like Joe, that's Joe's word, you know? So, uh, I, I, I never feel comfortable. I certainly will never refer to myself as a bracketologist, even though he didn't trademark it. I'd still feel like I was plagiarizing. Uh, I'm a bracket person now, bracket so uh, person. that's the way I'll go with it.
0: I'm gonna start calling Andy and, and Coach Tonsoni bracket people. We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> By the way, uh, la- last thing I'll note a very pandering comment to you in the chat mob. Uh, Chuck would like to know where Minka Fitzpatrick falls in your power
1: rankings right now. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. Uh, you know. Ju- Minka, I wrote a call about Minka last Tuesday. I think after Ryan Clark from ESPN, former Steeler great, came out again and and doubled down on his initial errant observation <laughs> that it was a bad trade. I'm like, you know, that you, this is a f- fantastic trade and on every level, uh, and and he keeps getting better and better uh, as as he p- plays with that defense. It's uh, it's been phenomenal to watch and. Uh, uh it, it, I, I've been enjoying it. And I have to turn around and play on uh, three days rest is a tough deal. But uh, cl- Cleveland's only got about three more hours of rest than they do. So uh, they got a shot anyway. <laughs>
0: There you go, Archie. Some uh, some Pittsburgh Steelers talk for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Mike, as always, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll look forward to talking with you next week. We'll have two more uh, sub-250 Indiana games to talk about, so <laughs> see, see what takeaways we have from those, and then hopefully some Gavitt Games victories for the Big Ten, more importantly, because the conference could really use the uh, the pick-me-up here early in the season.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'll look forward to it, Jared. Thanks.
0: Cool. Thanks, Mike. <clears throat> All right. There is... Uh, Noted bracket person, Mike DeCoursey, hanging out hanging out with us this afternoon, talking about IU and the Big Ten. And you know what that means. Now that Mike is gone, it is time to bring in the great Ryan Phillips, who is going to be here. We're going to do some mailbag uh questions. We got a few questions in. If you guys have any questions in the chat mob, definitely feel free to uh drop them in there. Good stuff. Mike is great. You know, I really enjoy these weekly conversations with him. Um always really good insight. Nice to get. I don't call him an outsider's perspective because, I mean, he knows the Big Ten as well as anybody, but it's just nice to get kind of a different perspective, someone who's not just like, you know, studying Indiana all the time to get his, his thoughts on, on the Hoosiers. Ryan, what's up, yeah. man? I feel like I haven't seen you in forever.
2: The, uh, thanks for the change this year. I get to follow DeCorsi <laughs> instead of set up for him, you <laughs> yeah. jerk. Um, anyway, uh, th- yeah. yeah, I'm good. Just in the middle of work today. Let's uh, ready to answer some questions Let's do Ready those.
0: ready to answer some IU basketball questions So you weren't on The, uh, the post game show For the Portland State game Do you have any, any hot no, takes? No,
2: Saturday I was at the uh, Del Mar racetrack Doing white people things And uh, it was a long day
0: What um, are what are white people things? What is things that even where you get dressed up
2: For absolutely no reason And yell at horses for a couple hours I, You're going to get us taken off the air For comments like that <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest. <laughs> uh, oh, anyway, uh, yeah. So I miss. I actually missed the game. I went back and watched some of it. I still haven't seen the whole game, but uh, understand it was a little closer than was a little was comfortable. But it looked like the score wasn't really indicative of what the final uh, or, or what the, you know the matchup really. Um, but you know, I don't whatever. know. I kind
0: of I kind of felt. That, I mean,
2: you well, know, they, eleven they, points. They... I heard it was more of a fifteen, seventeen point game, but it was it finished at eleven.
0: Yeah, probably. But it. If you would have been watching, you would have been really disappointed with the defense. Like it was just, it was one of those yeah. games where we didn't control dribblers. They just kind of went wherever they wanted, and we didn't really make it difficult on them. Um, but the, you know, the thing that was really impressive, and this was the banner moment, um, which I'm telling you because I know that you didn't listen to the post game show, is uh, when Rob Finnessy stepped up. You know, their their little guard had made like three threes in yeah. a row, and this was like a 28 percent shooter. And Rob finally stepped up and said enough of this and basically shut him down for four minutes. It was a nice reminder of what Rob can do when he's, uh, engaged defensively. So he's, he's clearly not a hundred percent. Like, I don't think he can do that for long enough stretches yet, but it was, it was a good reminder of what he brings to the table. Um,
2: I mean, you you know, you're going to get from Rob once the the bullets are flying for real. So yeah. And and he's just got to get healthy. That's yeah. That's, I mean, that's the thing, you know, he can step up when he needs to, um, I will say I, I was encouraged early, and we were texting about it that, you know, Race Thompson had like six points and six rebounds in the first 10 minutes. And he was uh, great, man. Jerome Hunter hit a couple threes. And I mean, it's, you know, I don't expect those guys to sustain that for a whole game, but it's nice to see that in bursts because bursts eventually become the standard. And, and you saw it from, from Rob Finney early last year, he'd have bursts where he'd just dribble through an entire defense and get a layup. And eventually that became the standard for him that he could do that. And so you want to see these guys just have little stretch positive stretches in games that they can build off of, especially early against these teams that, you know, aren't very good. Let's, you know, find stuff we can build on for the guys who haven't played much. And at the same time, you got to build as a defense and as an offense running together as a whole. Again, what happened, Jared, two o'clock start, what happened is flat, you know, it's. I say it every time, and you guys make fun of me for saying it. Wait, every no, time. we actually we came out and played okay. They did at the actually very come beginning. out okay. Yeah, yeah, it was just. Yeah, but I mean, the game as a whole, you know, these guys, everything they do is geared to play at night. You practice in the afternoon. You play games at night. All this stuff, and then when you change the schedule up, it's hey, I'm not sad about it. I'm just sad about watching it.
0: That's all. <laughs> I know. Um, so I did want to mention, you know, my my kind of banner moment. Thinking back to that game, obviously, Rob won it in the moment. But I'll tell you the moment that has really stuck with me, Ryan, and you'll appreciate this. And you didn't, you know, you didn't get to see the game, so you might not have seen this. But Jerome's two threes in the first half were huge. I like, saw it, those. It was basically a four-five point game, and he comes in and hits those threes, and they were big. And it, you know, it was interesting that the big stretch, it, that stretch in the first half, it was the freshman. You know, I mean, Jerome hit shots. Trace made a nice play. Armand had a nice play. Race is getting rebounds. They really keyed that run. But what was great was the second three of Jerome. Because, you know, he hits the first one, and as we've seen, his shot's been a little bit off. You know, it just yeah, it hasn't really seemed like he's been in rhythm. But he makes the first one, and man, he was hunting the second one. It was like no. his confidence was unleashed. Now, that led to an airballed three in the second half because he probably took one he shouldn't have. But to see just the fire in his eyes once he made that one, like, I think he's going to be a guy, and, and, and we'll see. I don't know that he'll ever crack the starting lineup, but as we talked about on the post game show, you know, if he keeps developing, there's a good chance he may be in the closing lineup for Indiana because of yeah. what he can do offensively. But I certainly think he's got the mentality, the skills, and the versatility. Once he's right, he can be a guy that comes in and gets you nine, ten points in in like three or four minutes because he, like, he's Has just burst, got yeah first
2: ability. Yeah, sort
0: of but it's the skill and the mentality to do it. Like where he will call for the ball. We've seen him do that in the post. This was kind of the first time you saw it on the perimeter. But you like seeing those guys that have fire in their eyes, like Devontae did in the Ohio State game. You know, like at times you saw from Romeo, and that's what this team doesn't really have when Devontae is not in the game. And you saw a little bit of that with Jerome. And I think when you get both of those guys going, that's really going to help with what I think is one of the biggest issues with this team offensively, which is who are those guys that are just going to step up and take it at the end of a shot clock or when you've, yeah, you just know, have, when you're you in a lull. Yeah, know. and I think Devonte and Jerome can be those two guys. I
2: think I think the default. Setting right now for late clock is either Rob on a drive, uh, Devontae doing whatever, whether it's a drive or a pull up or, or what. I mean, you know, it just give the ball to Devontae, let him create, or it's gonna be throw it inside because there are so many guys who can score inside, whether it's posting Justin Smith up, whether it's posting Trace Jackson Davis, Duran Davis, even Joey Bronk had a couple nice finishes, uh, in the game. You know, I mean, it's that's the default is get a guy one on one in the post when the double comes. Maybe you kick out and hit a three towards the end of the clock. But I think that right now, the default easy situational setup late in the clock is just throw it inside. See, somebody can do something because a lot of those guys can do things on the interior. Yeah. And hey, look
0: for Al Durham off of screens. He's become sure he's become a much better shooter moving like he was always pretty good catch and shoot. But now when he's actually moving, getting his body in line, that's one thing that's really improved for him.
2: I I will say this about about Al watching that game, the way he moves and the way he attacks on offense with the way he's kind of ready to go at any moment. It's I'm now don't take this comparison to its nth degree, but it reminds me a little bit of the way Victor used to play on the perimeter. Victor Oladipo used to play on the perimeter. Where he would it's and again the results aren't the same, but the way he used to look for areas to attack and look for ways to attack. Then it, he kind of drifts, 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 find his spot and goes, or drifts, 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 find a spot and shoots. And it's it's there are other guys who do that, but I just specifically remember once Victor Oladipo had the confidence to attack on the perimeter, which he didn't have for a long period of time because he would dribble the ball and go off his leg out of bounds and stuff like that. Once he found his you know, confidence and he the way he looked to attack, that that was what Al looked like in this past game to me.
0: So if you're scoring at home in the past two shows, I've compared Race Thompson's rebounding to Allen Henderson's and Ryan has... Compar- <laughs> what? D- what? You're going to compare Al to victor oladipo and i can't No, i said the her. way he sets himself up to that's attack what I'm saying. A, me very yeah, a very specific skill very okay. specific skill all right okay i hate player comps yeah until you're the one doing them the you worst hip- you hypocrite the worst <laughs> okay um all right we've got a few questions here let's knock these out uh john right, says if needed is there any chance either of the walk-on guards could give us some decent
2: minutes i mean if that's happening you've got a bit of a problem. I think I, I, you know, I mean, they could in a pinch. I mean, Cooper, Cooper, Bibe can really shoot it. He shot it really well in junior college and was a great shooter at Edgewood high school. Um, he, he can certainly shoot it, but that's, I mean, that is a break glass in case of emergency. They should put those guys in glass and just break it. If, you know, if they really need to go that deep into the bench, there's a problem because I think that they can, really move some other guys out onto the wing. They can mix and match some things because they have a lot of guys who can play inside out. I mean, yeah. Ray Thompson in a pinch can play on the perimeter for you. He's not going to knock down threes, He's not going to do anything, but he can go out there and move the ball along on the perimeter and pass it, and you know, set screens and all that stuff. Uh, Jerome Hunter can do that. Uh, I would bet the trace Jackson Davis can at least step out and screen and handle the ball. To the point of getting it, moving it, dribbling to the left, you know, for a dribble handoff or whatever, and be fine with it. So, if you're deep dipping that far into your bench with how deep this team is, you got a problem. I think you're going to see Demizy Anderson before those guys uh, getting a lot more minutes. I think you're going to see Justin Smith on the perimeter getting a lot more minutes, and then you go down to that next level of, you know, Ray Thompson setting screens on the perimeter, like like we talked about Jerome Hunter, uh, uh, Trace Jackson Davis, guys like that. I really think that with how many people on this team can play, if you start seeing walk-ons out there playing regular minutes, you have a problem.
0: Yeah. And look, I think those guys are good for walk-ons. And I think having Rabai be a guy who can make shots, that's pro- that's really valuable to have in practice. Of but, course. You know, you look at what happened in that Portland State game, and I mean the big issue was the guard play, especially defensively. And if Al and Armand and Rob at times are having trouble kind of containing dribble penetration, doing what they need to do to key the defense, you know, Cooper Bybee and, you know, Henderson, I don't think think they're going to stand much of a chance in better games against better competition. So I I agree with you. You know, I think those guys can fill the role that they have, but, you know, they are not. I, I think, I wonder if the fact that Zach McRoberts was a quote unquote walk on gave people unrealistic expectations for what a walk-on can do. Because remember, he was a scholarship player at Vermont. And Vermont, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. they've almost been as successful as Indiana over the last few years. Like if you look at Ken Palm ratings and stuff, not quite, but I mean, they're a solid program. And he was a scholarship player there. So he wasn't your traditional walk-on. So, you know, I just think got to make sure. That's thoughts about that. Got to make sure that we have the proper expectations for those guys. Uh, Jack wants to know, what is the prediction for Green coming back to play? You know, I saw something today that said maybe Louisiana Tech. That's obviously in a while. That's a few weeks. I think if you just look at what Archie said in the post-game press conference, number one, Devontae's got to get back to where he's cleared to practice. Then he's got to practice, get his rhythm going, and then he's going to play. Because Archie basically said he doesn't want to just throw him out there without having a chance to practice. Of and like so, Kurt, quite frankly, yeah. So I mean, yeah. at a minimum, at an absolute minimum, it looks like you're looking at at least a week, and that would be assuming he's cleared like today that could start practicing. So yeah, I, mean, I think I would the say, ideal.
2: I think the ideal would be to get through Thanksgiving, get him rested up that week, and, and get him back. I mean, when I think...
0: Princeton and Louisiana Tech are the two toughest games. Louisiana Tech, well, actually, South Dakota State is one ninety two. So Princeton is. Currently, 204 in Ken Palm. Louisiana Tech is 90. South Dakota State, 192. So, obviously, Louisiana Tech, by far, the most challenging game you have here. That is Monday, November 25th, which, you know, kind of makes sense based on the timetable that Archie implied with that statement. So, I, I would say maybe Princeton. That would be a great sign if he plays for Princeton, but it looks more realistic. like If
2: not, get him through the holiday and see if he can get him back. Yeah, that Monday,
0: because that That's would basically rest. be two weeks from today. So, you know, I mean that, and it's going to be a big game. I and mean, Indiana cannot afford to lose any of these November games. So yeah, you got to do what and it. And Princeton to
2: win has started zero two. So, yeah. um, but they do have a freshman from my old high school. So it'll be fun to watch. Oh, do they? Yeah, Ryan Langborg. He uh, set the. He's a freshman. Took my old high school to the state title in California and set the all-time scoring record. So, San my Diego Chicken. Sh-t. Exactly. Uh, so it'll be interesting seeing a kid from my high school, which is small private school in San Diego, playing for Princeton. That's a big deal. Nice, that is a big deal.
0: Um, okay, so from Big Red Machine, he wants to know: Is Devontae Green currently on load management? Load management. Load management. So did, did you did you see Archie's I rant on this? That, yeah.
2: That's um, hilarious. <laughs> That's something like they got going on in like the NBA or something like that. There's no load management in college basketball. Had, had limited number of games, you're not under contract, you play when you play.
0: Yes. Okay, now, can I can I just ask you something as like devil's advocate here? Cuz yeah. I did appreciate that. It was entertaining to watch. The next question though, they did ask him about Devonte Green, and he basically laid out the plan for managing Devonte Green coming back from this injury. And he talked about Rob Finnessy and like Rob Finnessy is okay to play now, but they've also been kind of managing his minutes and kind of trying to make sure that he comes back healthy. Will you explain the difference between load management and
2: injury management? Yes. Load management is just resting guys during the season when they're not hurt so that they don't get burned out. Basically injury management is a guy's injured. You don't want to overplay him and re-injure him, you know, and, and also he hasn't been practicing full speed. So you're managing his minutes. So, you know, like right now, Kyle Kuzma for the Lakers coming back. They they made a big deal about this. He's coming back from a, a stress fracture in his foot. And they had him on a minutes cap of 20 minutes a game because more than that, the doctor said, Hey, you could risk re injuring it. Let's kind of get him back into where he needs to be. There's a difference there. One is that you're not, you're trying to make sure a guy doesn't get re injured. The other is just a guy's taking a game off so that he's fresh in April when the playoffs start. So that's the difference. And load management is the problem is that the NBA has signed so many television contracts. People wanted to see Kawhi Leonard. Play against Giannis Antetokounmpo last week, and so they sat him that night because they had a game the next night. Now I get sitting the second night of a back to back, but the first night when you had the night off the night before, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> The thing that I think also gets lost in that is Kawhi does have like
0: a quad issue that he's had for like seven years, too. I mean, you're rolling your eyes, but isn't that true?
2: Yeah, but he's fine enough to play other nights. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no he's not he's not having extended time to sit out. He's not, you know, all this stuff.
0: We we just don't know the counterfactual, I guess. Like, would he be fine if he played if he'd been if they hadn't been doing this?
2: Well, and from what we've what. You know, people have been told is that when he was a free agent, Kawhi was telling people, "I'm not playing more than 65 games a year. Just heads up, I'm not going to play more than 60, regardless of how healthy I am. I'm not playing more than 65 games a year because then you wind up playing 100 and something games a year if you go to the playoffs and win a championship. So, um, I, I think that you know maybe uh, there's there's some lingering injury there, but they're not listing them on their injury reports, and that's why they got fined. The the Clippers got fined the other day because they sat him out. I mean, they got fined fifty thousand dollars. It's like really, it's- <laughs> <laughs> they're going to empty their piggy bank and send it to the NBA. Like, um, but so I think that the NBA is sort of worrying about it hurting their pro- hurting the product, and that's why, um, especially because again, he sat out the first day of a back to back, not the second day of a back to back, which they had a day off, and then he got another day off, and then he played and. It was a nationally televised game where it was going to be Giannis versus Kawhi, and now schedule makers have to sort of, you know, plan around that. So basically, the I, from what I understand, the teams want the players to play all the time; they're paying them. They wanted to play all the time, but the players have these demands about uh, the limit of playing time. I'm sure we'll see later in the year. I'm sure LeBron James will sit out a game or two. He said he's not going to, but I'm sure he'll if he's wearing down, if his legs aren't there, they'll sit him. Did he take like six weeks off a few seasons ago, like when he wasn't hurt? No. Last, well, last year was the first time he's missed uh, a, a chunk of games in a season, and he had a groin injury. I thought he took time off to like, go to Miami for a few weeks and like,
0: relax, and, like re- re- rejuvenate or recuperate or something. I don't think so.
2: I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm I'll, wrong. I'll, I'll, don't go, I'll go look this up. I, I thought, thought last something. year was the first time he'd missed an extended period of time.
0: Yeah, for injury, but I don't know. I thought he took a couple weeks off. I might be wrong. Anyway, we'll, we'll look at that. we got to make sure that we ask Coach about load management because we need okay. some load management drops from Coach. Load management? Definitely going to have to pull that out. <laughs> Just love the way he says that his face was so funny. Like it was the most ridiculous concept he's ever, he's
2: ever yeah, heard of. Yeah. Well, that's a man who has no idea what's going on in the NBA and I'm kind of here for it. I'm good with it. <laughs> no, no, he does not.
0: Um, let's see. Brad says any new info on Dawson Garcia? Um, let me see here. I don't know anything like firsthand. Don't know anything. Not since Thursday. Not so don't so really much, know anything. Yeah. Third hand. All I'm going to say about this is things I have heard. I don't, really like, but I'm not really putting too much stock in it yet because like it's just it's like little whispers here and there, like so we'll just have to see. I don't know. What, I want that he's not coming or yeah, just that you know, I mean, because some people thought that Marquette was leading anyway just because they've been recruiting him longer. Um, yeah, you know, so you kind of would have liked to hear that, hey, he went on this Marquette visit, but, you know, he's still in love with Indiana, nothing really moved the needle. I didn't really hear that, so we just need to wait and see. Obviously,
2: what he decides. Who um, would choose to pick Milwaukee over Bloomington? I mean, seriously, I,
0: he needs to talk to you. That's who <laughs> <laughs> we needed to send him to you, so that you could tell him how you would improve. Well, he'd end the jump up committing shot. to San
2: Diego State <laughs> if we did that. <laughs> you traitor!
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, it's right here.
2: It's it's 75 today.
0: Well no, like, we wouldn't. We wouldn't have him visit you. You would go to Minnesota and visit oh, him. we'd okay. pay for it. You would walk him through the shot doctor routine that you would put him through to get a shot NBA ready
2: and tell I'm him sure why that's he needs to illegal. by the way, <laughs> what if we, what if,
0: if I, if, if the assembly call paid for you to just go talk to Dawson Garcia, we're not boosters uh, of the program on, on behalf we of are, IU. We're, we're, we're <laughs> critical <laughs> analysts of the program. That would not be a, that, that actually would be interesting to see if that would be some like sort the, of violation. The legal
2: ramifications, the NCA ramifications of, uh, uh, podcast host and radio show host going and talking to a recruit hey man i've never given a dime to indiana i'm not a booster (laughs) yeah
0: don't you host a post-game show yeah but we just we just criticize the team we're yeah we're mean um let's see so dave says more of an observation race thompson equals daryl thomas interesting i will say race thompson kind of looks like daryl thomas out on the court the quibble I would have, though, like I think Race has some of that because Daryl Thomas was a very versatile player and athletic guy. Mm-hmm. Daryl Thomas, though, I mean, his rebounding numbers, he averaged like four and a half, five and a half rebounds a game, even as a junior and a senior. Race Thompson's going to do that this year in like 10, 15 minutes. Now, his rebounding rates aren't going to stay like they are right now, but he's rebounding like his defensive rebounding rate is like 35%. It's insane. Yeah. So even when it goes down, like he just, the thing that impresses me the most about him is his rebounding instincts. I mean, he mm-hmm. knows where the ball is going to be. He attacks it off the jump, and he just and he keeps it high too, which I really like. So he's he can he's good at putbacks because he keeps the ball high. And he can go right back up with it. So I do see some of that comparison, but I also think he projects to be a better rebounder um, than Daryl Thomas was as a junior and a senior, uh, just a little more aggressive uh, doing that. Here's an interesting question, BK Hoosier: uh, Should
2: Justin Smith have the green light from three? Ryan, Justin Smith from th- no uh you know depending on the situation if it's a catch and shoot with where the offensive possession isn't going great sure but no i want him to attack uh, that's that's what i want i want him to be encouraged to attack Now, look if he takes one a game or two a game and he's it, you know look as far as i'm concerned start a game you can take him till you miss if, you, if he, he makes four in a row great keep shooting if he misses one i don't want him shooting two more you know maybe take another one here and there but I don't want him to get to the point where he's taking five a game and making maybe one, you know, that's, that's not his game. His game is attacking. I want him to attack, um, you know, and, and that's what he's been good about, good at this year. So far, that's, that's where the confidence has come from is when he attacks the rim, not standing out on the perimeter and, and relying on a shot, because the, here's the problem with a guy like Justin is that if you wander on the perimeter and wait for your opportunity to shoot a three, you're not attacking. And when, And exactly what you want from him is to attack. So guys get lazy. It's not intentionally lazy. They're not saying, well, I don't want to attack. It's just mentally you get into a space where you're waiting for the ball to come to you so you can shoot it as opposed to finding the opportunity to go to the hoop. And um, it's a mentality and young guys fall into it. And even the best players fall into that from time to time and just start launching threes. But it takes away from what his strengths are. He needs to attack. And and where he's been good over the years and where he's been best this year, other than that stretch against Michigan State where he inexplicably knocked down a bunch of threes, it's when he's going to the rim, when he's attacking, when he's get, you know going after a, a rebound, when he's cutting back door and getting a lob. All that stuff is where he's at his best. The perimeter is not where he's at his best.
0: He was showing out for the assembly call crew in attendance. Exactly. And to, to make sure we didn't like, get shut out by Michigan State, me sitting that there
2: in the press room, like, oh god, oh
0: god. So, <laughs> so, so, okay. Here's what I would say about this: is I think everything that you just laid out made makes sense. You know, to a certain extent green light from three it can become a bit of a semantic thing because basically what you described is it's like a yellow light almost
2: yeah that's kind of where it is a green light to me suggests if you get it and you have any daylight shoot it that's a green light to me and 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 look i
0: think it would be malpractice on the coach's part and it would just be insane on his part if he approached offense like a devontae green does or like an al durham does because he's not that level of shooter but here's where i think context Psychology, some of the stuff that maybe we don't necessarily know goes into it is, you know, just in conversations that I have had, I think, with people who are kind of familiar with his thinking, I think it's important to him to have the confidence in his coach that his coach believes in him to take the shot. And so, like, whether you want to say, should he have the green light, should he not, I think to a certain extent, his confidence and the comfort level that he has shown on the court this year attacking and doing all the things that we want him to do is in part because he feels more empowered to take shots when he has them. Look, so if he, again, it's if it's, he's, you know, it's, a, it's one of those things like, you know, if he's taken five straight threes, Archie's probably going to sit him down and be like, dude, like, you can't keep doing strength. this. Yeah. Right, but at the level he's at right now, where most of the threes that he's taken have been pretty good, there was one in the Portland State game in the second half like three out of four possessions, we took threes early in the shot clock, which is when they were making their threes, which was just so uncharacteristic of yeah. us. And you're and it giving bad it right back to them
2: so they can choose. Yeah,
0: and too. like that three wasn't a good one. It was early in the shot clock. Don't take that one. But I think you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have to live with maybe some shots of his that you don't necessarily want for him to feel totally in the flow of the game, doing yeah. all the other things that you do want. And that's where sometimes we don't know guys personally to maybe know, and that's that's the coach's job to know that stuff. So I think, you know, you laid out what is the ideal, um, but, you know, I, I just think that's where, you know, look, that that's where Archie earns his money, <laughs> you know? And yeah. So who, I, I, I have a
2: question. Who won the game ball on Saturday from you guys?
0: Uh, it was, I said Trace, he said, uh, coach said race, and then the chat mob broke the tie with Trace. Okay. Double, double. He was probably the most. Yeah, consistent no, he, he almost had a, he
2: had a double double. Justin Smith almost had a double double. Ray Thompson almost had a double double. I mean, yeah. you know, there was a Al lot Al Durham led the
0: team in scoring. It's yeah. funny in our community, I always try and put up a multiple choice, you know, like game ball, and they only give you five options, and you know, like I try and put the most reasonable options to where there's not more people would be like, well, I would clearly pick this guy, and I could mm-hmm. not separate. There were six clear options because you had to include Justin and Al because they led the team in scoring, and I think that's. Hopefully that's indicative of something that happens this year, which is that like, you know, there's no dominant contributor, but you just get five, six, seven good performances. That's going to be a path to victory for Indiana this season.
2: Well, I remember last year. That's kind of what I predicted this team would look like, and you guys agreed. I mean, it wasn't like I'm going out there saying, "Oh, you know, I made this big prediction." You guys agreed it was going to be a balanced roster. There's not going to be one star getting all the attention, and so that is Indiana's best option. Is it a bunch of guys are contributing uh, every night? And um, I, I think we've seen that in the first two games. Hopefully it keeps up, but yeah, you want, you want a team where everybody can attack. Everybody can do something. Everybody can accomplish what you need to get accomplished. So uh, it's a positive to see that. Um, I will say it was, I, I'm surprised that Justin Smith had, what was it? Uh, 36 minutes. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I I did not see that coming this early in the season, but uh, he played well, so I think I think Archie, Al, I Al, think Archie Al Durham gets a game ball just for still being perfect from the free throw line. At yes, this he does. Point, quite he quite does. frankly, <laughs> yeah. I'm,
0: I'm, anytime someone does something good from the free throw line, I you think know, Arch- the only
2: other player perfect from the free throw line this year. Uh, no. No race thompson race thompson okay your boy shooting 100 percent. your
0: boy you've been talking up race ever since your scouting report of him mm-hmm. i like him uh let's see tomorrow night you're gonna be on the post game show north yes. alabama what are you looking for in this game
2: <laughs> i know nothing about either team but or about about the other team but <laughs> i met either team we're gonna play this week uh no, I look, I, I just want to see them be balanced. I want to see them attack. I want to see them open up the offense a little bit more, and I want to see them stop the dribble. Yeah, I do mean, you need was... to
0: know anything about this team to know what your keys are? I mean, that's the no. thing, is we're at no. home. We should absolutely dominate and impose our will. So this shouldn't be that dependent on the other team. Although I will say, you know, Portland State was a pretty good offensive, for their level, they're a pretty good offensive team and a bad defensive team. North Alabama, it's flipped. They're terrible offensively, but a little bit better defensively. So I think we're all looking for the defense to be better because that was the big narrative, you know, right. coming out of that Portland State game. So just remember that you're looking for habits. You know, how are the guys controlling dribblers? How, you know, are stopping we stopping the
2: dribble is the big thing. Stopping the dribble, so.
0: yeah, it, both on the perimeter, but also with guys in the post. And that's that was my problem with Justin Smith is he was just giving ground on, you know, when when the I don't remember what the guy's name was, but you know, three or four times when that guy was dribbling in the paint and Justin Smith was just kind of giving ground instead of walling up and stopping him. You know, Mm -hmm. and so those to me are some of the things to look for, not necessarily the point per possession numbers or those kinds of things, because this is not a very capable offense coming in here. Um, So you just want to look at the habits. It's all about the habits. I
2: I, want to see the balance. I want to see the rebounding domination again. I mean, we've seen that the first two games. I want to kind of see that this, uh, you know, this week in both games. Um, But I think that, yeah, I, I would really like to see these guys move the ball well on offense, exploit interior and the perimeter and then defensively just stop the dribble and rebound. That's if you do those two things, make the other team into shooters, uh, I know that um Portland State hit some threes, but I'd rather have that and stopping the dribble than you know just uh, a team carving you up on the interior. Yeah, because the you
0: know coach and I talked about this a little bit after the Portland State game.
2: You know, because his point and it was a good one is
0: that they're banking in some threes, you know, they're hitting some threes they don't normally hit. But the issue is we've seen a theme over the last few years of guys coming in who you don't think are going to have very good games at Assembly Hall, and they go off and have good games. And when it happens once every now and then, you chalk it up to maybe luck. But when it happens consistently, I do think there is something to guys just being more comfortable. And when guys are more comfortable, those shots are more likely to go in, and they're more likely to get some confidence and to start feeling it like, you know, boo-boo, this guard for Portland State— was feeling it, and that's where, you know, it's not even, as, obviously, the way that you challenge shots is important for making a guy feel uncomfortable, but you know the other way to make a guy feel uncomfortable? Don't let him dribble where he wants to go. Right. A great way for someone to feel comfortable no, on a basketball a court is to be able to move with or without the ball where you want to go. You're going to yeah, feel yeah. more comfortable when you get the ball and have a chance at a shot.
2: And when you're when you're giving up drives, what happens is the defense sucks in, and you get a guy wide open on the perimeter. I mean, that that's basketball one on one when you're playing any kind of help defense. So um yeah I, I agree with you. I think that it's just stopping the dribble one on one without having to rely on the help is a is a huge deal.
0: Yep. Uh I see that you're wearing a hoodie. What hoodie mm-hmm. is that? Ah, the assembly call hoodie. So I am wearing my bison hoodie of course. Shout out to HomeFieldApparel.com. Remember to uh use your promo code Assembly20 to get your 20% off discount there. By the way so I'll Tell you this for uh, all the people who are still listening this long, and for the uh, for the live viewers, saw uh, a couple of proofs of some new uh, assembly call hoodies on the comfortable material. I think we might have those ready for Christmas. Nice with like I the script assembly with the script assembly call.
2: I know what I'm getting for Christmas. Oh, maybe I said no that. Hosts.
0: Maybe I said that already. But anyway, yep, you did. All right. Well, I just wanted to drop it again because I'm excited about it. Uh, anyway,
2: all right. You got to get back to work. I do. Okay, it's go. forty minutes. We've <laughs> we've done quite a <laughs> chunk. Was. Hey, how about next time you let me go first, and then DeCorsi goes second? What do you think? Is that? Oh, or, are we, are you committed for the year? Well, I'm committed to
0: that time with Mike. So I'm we could kidding. potentially we could potentially start it a little bit earlier. But I'm committed to that time with Mike. So we can yeah, always we'll, tr- we'll we try to start around. a little see bit. How it goes. Okay, we'll see. Thanks for giving us your time, Ryan. Oh, we you're appreciate welcome. It. We appreciate it. You were on load management for the last post game show, but you'll be back for uh, <laughs> exactly for, yeah. the, for the upcoming shows. All uh, right. Thanks, man. Um, right, thank cool. And uh, thank you Bye, everybody. to everybody. Yeah. Thank you to everybody who is here. Do our closing here. Uh, that'll do it. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording. Don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Uh, And special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music that you hear on the show. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow night after IU North Alabama. Until then. Take it from me, Nick Loft. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And as always, go Hoosiers. Oh, and hey, by the way, last little note that I will say, our buddy uh, Chad Schwartzkoff, Chat Mob Chad, uh, he's been doing like a show the morning after your uh, game. So you got the post game show and then Chad takes some time to sleep on it and then does a show. Make sure that you go check that out. I believe Chad, correct me if I'm wrong, but on Twitter, it's general Chadwick. So you can follow him there, subscribe to him on YouTube. And of course, you know, he's in the chat mob so you can get the information from him there. But if you want more, Post-game analysis with the, uh, with the benefit of a night of sleep, which really we could probably all use, <laughs> then uh, check out what Chad's doing. Uh, it's really cool, and he provides good analysis. And, hey, you know, Chad is uh, 1-0 as a fill-in uh, co-host on the assembly call, and that one win was the win over Michigan State. So he's probably got the, uh, the best post-game show efficiency of any of us. So well done, Chad. All right, everybody, I will talk to you guys tomorrow night after the game.
1: Rocket Pro Insight is the innovative product designed to give real estate agents control like never before. Get full visibility into a client's loan status, adjust their approval letter amount, help them clear roadblocks, and manage it all in one place. Sign up today at rocketpro.com real estate and get the freedom to check a client's progress from anywhere at any time.
2: Offer cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. MLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. America's
1: beverage companies are working together to reduce plastic waste in our environment. Not all plastic is the same. At the Coca-Cola Company, Keurig Dr. Pepper, and PepsiCo, our bottles are
0: made to be remade. We're carefully designing them to be 100% recyclable, including the caps. And we're investing in community recycling improvements. So that every bottle we get back
1: can be used to make new bottles.
0: That completes the circle and reduces plastic waste. Please help us get every bottle back.
1: Learn more at everybottleback.org.